Went to jail like three times in two weeks. I mean, you don't talk about bad luck. It was just, just you know, it was, it was a look it back. It was Heavenly Father saying, hey, dummy. That's Antoine Few. I'm Greg Baird. You're listening to the Photo Gregor Podcast. So this is part two of Antoine's story. It's such an interesting story. I'm glad I could tell it. Okay, so last time we talked about, you know, you were a promising young athlete in, 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 in high school and things are going pretty well, but Fresno is kind of devolving into a place that's a little chaotic. Um, and so I want to start there. You, you know, you're, you're in high school. Um, you, you did well in football in high school. And where, so where did football take you? At that so, point? yeah, so football, football took me. So I, I, even though I straightened my act up, um, I didn't score high enough on the SATs and my grades weren't good enough to get me into a four-year college. So that four-year college, which was uh, Washington State, they told me to get a hold of Al Baldock down at Taft College. Where's Taft? Taft College is, uh, so it's about 50 miles west of Bakersfield, California. Okay. Um, it's out in the oil field deserts west, like Midwest California, like, you know, like Southwest. Like, it's weird. It's hard to explain because you think South, people think L.A. and San Diego, but this isn't far that South. This is like the South end of the San Joaquin Valley, but out West towards the coast. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of oil fields out there, and there's a small city called Taft. Um, and just like those shows um, on Netflix right now called uh, Last Chance You, it's basically what Taft College was back in, I went there in 89 and 90. Um, it was like last chance you. Guys that didn't have good enough grades to get into a four-year that were basically D1 quality, but couldn't fit the bill academically. So you're playing on a D1 team, pretty much. Basically. And back then, they were ranked like number one in the nation. They were like the best best uh, junior college that any that you could basically go to. Um, like guys, everybody, just about everybody went there, got picked up by a school somewhere, even if it was a D2 or D3 school. Um, people got, still got, were able to get a free education, you know, out of the deal. Um, so I went to Taft, you know, after, after high school, went to Taft, um, got to Taft and um, kind of, you know, had never been in an environment where everybody was either as good as I was or better. Um, and even athletically, athletically. And it kind of like, it shocked me. You know, I was, it shocked me. I was shell shocked. Um, but then like I kind of, I adjusted and, but I got hurt like within the first like three weeks of me being there. What'd that do to you? It, it like, it put me in a hole, um, put Emo me in a hole mentally, emotionally, emotionally, mentally. Um, because I, man, it was, you know, there was like, it was eight linebackers, you know, and I was at the time, I was like third on the death chart. So, you know, there was two people in front of me who are both sophomores. I was a freshman in front of two other sophomores, you know, and so. So it still had some problems. Right. So, but if I got hurt and I couldn't play, that dropped me <laughs> to the back. 
you know, yeah, now you got to work your way back to the top. You don't just, you know, you don't hold your spot. You know, you got to work your way back into the, into the rotation. And so what was the injury? Um, I, I had a real bad high ankle sprain. Okay. Um, where so so it I seems could, like something you should be functional through, but it just, you couldn't I, go. I couldn't cut. I could run in a straight line, but the minute I try to cut, I'm dust. I'm on the ground because I can't. It almost felt like it was, bro- I thought it was broke. I kept telling my coaches, my, it's broke. It's broke. There's no way it's not broke, you know, because it just felt like it was coming apart when I would cut. I can run in a straight line, no problem, full speed, straight line. But if I try to cut, turn, and go anywhere in any direction, I couldn't put, I couldn't put any pressure and plant and push off on it. So how many weeks before you felt like you were, uh. It was like a month. Okay. You know. Before so, you could do anything. Yeah. We, we were in, you know, we were, you know four games into our, into our 10 game season, you know? And so now I'm, now I'm working my way back in and I hurt. So I hurt my right ankle first. Then I hurt my left ankle after, as soon as my right ankle got healed up, I did the same exact injury to my left. Yikes. How was school going at that point? Uh, like for schoolwork? Uh, it was bad. It was all, it was bad. So what was different? Just, you know, there was no, there was no oversight. <laughs> the oversight committee, was left and they were in Fresno. <laughs> so, so like a lot of kids, you, you're the, the wheels kind of came off and you derailed a yeah, little bit. I, I started, I started drinking and just, you know, how does a kid your age get alcohol back then? Man, anybody could walk in the store back then and get anything, just about any liquor store in California. I mean, as long as you look older than 13. Long, yeah. As long as you look older than 13 or 14. I mean, Got some facial hair. You can, yeah, you can you can walk in the store and, and get some liquor. I mean, they'd be like, you 21? When were you born? And, you know. Say whatever you want at that point. Yeah, yeah. So. So, I mean, you started drinking. I mean, what, like, how bad did it get? How much did you drink and how, you know, what were you drinking? Uh, we were drinking beer. I mean, we would drink liquor, too, but we were drinking beer. You know, have, have a case of quartz. So a case of 32-ounce beers, like, in my closet. You know, on ice. <laughs> ice in the closet. In the, in the closet, in the box. Because a, 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 a 32 ounce, a quart of beer costs 99 cents. There's 12 beers in a case. So a case of quarts costs like 1350 with tax back there. And that, and that's the choice. C45. <laughs> You told me that stuff is nasty, man. Oh, that's the nastiest. Oh, my gosh. It's next to, well, you know, then you got 800, you know. Oh, English 800. That's like charcoal filtered bottom of the barrel, like the worst, absolute worst, worst beer you could possibly drink. Um, but at that age. But at that age, you know, it was it was 800 or C45, you know, Mickey's Big Mouth. Um, we drink anything, basically, any, t- any of the malt liquors. Um, so... But yeah, that's that's where that's where I first like started drinking, and then um, so football didn't go well, season didn't go well for me. We won the Potato Bowl, you know, uh, number one in the nation. You know, all of the accolades that go with being a really good football team. Um, <clears throat> and and you you didn't feel any pieces of that at all. No, nah, because I I mean I basically didn't play. You Did know? you travel with the team? Yeah, I traveled with the team. So at least you got that. At least yeah. you didn't. They say, they say rehab is lonely, but but at least you got to be with the team. Yeah, I got there. to be with the team. Okay. Um, so, 
you know, spring semester is going along, not doing that well, not doing my homework, not, you know, not going to get aid in the classes, you know. They told oh, you can come in and you can get help, you know, come to study hall and I'll help you with this and help you with that. And, you know, I'm being a, being a 18, basically I was 18, I was 17 when I got to school, when I got to college, you know, turned 18 within two months and, um, so I was an eighteen year old kid with no self regulation. With no, yeah, no, like just like I said, I left the oversight committee in Fresno, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was that was bad for me. But my biggest thing was to get away from home so I could be on my own. Well, not knowing, you know, being young and dumb, um, not knowing that I needed I needed that guidance to help me, um, to help me succeed. But at the same time, you know, looking back on it as, you know, almost fifty year old man. Um, it was the best, you know, one of the, you know, what helped get me to where I'm at today. So, I mean, there's some immediate negative consequences that, that came from that. Oh, absolutely. And so I, I want to hear what happened right after that and, and start to talk about how, what path that led you down that made you who you are today. So, you know, so I, I got kicked out of college, needless to say, um, like shortly after spring break, like got, was, was drunk and had an incident with the police. I didn't go to jail or anything, you know, I just, I verbally, I verbally abused them and then locked myself in my dorm room and they just, they basically banged on the door, showed up the next day uh, with my football coach and we had a discussion and came to a agreement that it was best for me to go back home. Uh, that doesn't sound like an agreement at all. It sounds like they told you that. Well, we, I mean, I had, I mean, dude, I was, you got to understand, Greg, I was, uh, I was like a firecracker, man. Like anybody, anybody besides my daddy, they're not getting any respect, okay. like zero. Like, and that's even a football coach. Like if you, you say something that offend me and I'm saying something and I'm gonna give you the business. I, and I didn't care. Like, I don't care. I told, you know, he's, he's, what did he say to me? He told me some, 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 how I better, I better do this and I better, and I'm like, man, I ain't better do nothing but stay black and die. It's the only thing I better do. And he looked at me, he's like, you, did you really just say that? I was like, you got ears? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, you know, and the, the dean of students was right there, you know, and just my attitude. I, I mean, dude, I didn't, I didn't, I was, I was a, I was a horrible kid to deal with. I was horrible. I can look back and say that about myself. Yes. I was a horrible 18, you know, 19-year-old kid, hard to deal with, that fought any type of, of authority. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, I've been dealing with people telling me what to do my whole life. I'm done listening to anybody tell me what to do. So screw all y'all. Yeah, and, and yet you had to call your parents at that point. Did I know. I did didn't, you call or did coach call? I didn't coach call. Oh. Coach call. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that they knew. So they were on their way before you even... They were on their way before I even got kicked, before he even kicked me out. They had, they already knew. Did they, did they have an inkling something was up before then? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't, I don't think so. I doubt it. So they showed up together. Yeah, they showed did up. Did you know they were going to show up together? Nope. So they showed up cold. Yep. They showed up out the blue. Um, I was... I also got kicked out of the dorms because <laughs> I had a run in with the dorm director. And uh, and so I got I got kicked out of the dorms. I was staying at this girl's house off campus 
and um, my parents were looking for me on campus. Mm-hmm. And someone did, one of the guys knew where I was and called and like, hey, man, your parents are here looking for you, you know. So. So what was their dynamic? Were they, I, I, th- I think I believe you had said they were not together anymore. Yeah, my point. parents have never been married. Um, they were like, you know, 40 year boyfriend and girlfriend. Classic, classic West Side ghetto stuff. And yet they showed up together. Yeah, they yeah they showed up together to pick me up. A team effort. Yeah, I mean they were they were pretty disappointed, you know, you know, because I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't raised raised to do stuff like that and be disrespectful. I hadn't been taught to be that way, but. And so they're disappointed. Or, I mean, are they giving you the talk, or is it kind of silent on the? It way was home? silent for the first like. I mean, so Bakersfield, you know, so I was probably 150 miles away from home, so you know, it's a good two hour, two and a half hour trip. Yeah, it was silent for about 45 minutes. And then my dad asked me a question, and I responded with, I don't know. And he pulled over. <laughs> is that something you didn't know, or is it something you knew, but you didn't want to say? I knew, but I didn't. So I, you're being defiant. Yeah, it wasn't his business at this point. You know, I don't have to listen to you. Because I'm 18. Because I'm 18. I'm, I'm done listening to you. My days of listening to you and do what you say are gone. So I don't care what you got to say. You know, that was basically my message to him, you know, and he was going to kick me out of the car. But my mom was like, no, no, let's just get him back home. Let's just get him back home. He going he gonna to do what he going to do. He's always been that way. And that's just Antoine. You know, that's you know, that's what he you know it, you know. So when you got back home, did you get back some of that structure you had lost? No, it got worse Why? Um, because I refused any of it um, because I was. You know, I'm angry with myself for screwing up my opportunity. Um, and then I got another opportunity to play football. Um, the coach from Fresno City College called me up, like, hey, I heard you got kicked out of school. You know, why don't you come? We got a spot for you. I told you, I, you know, I wanted you to stay here anyway, in the, in, you know, in the first place. You know, Fresno City was a place for you. You should have never went to Taft. You just wasted a year of your eligibility, you know. And so I... Uh, I bought into it for about two or three months, but I like. Which months are you talking like June, July, August? I mean, what, which um, months? So um, I got back home and this is, so this is the following fall semester, you know, so in 19, in 1990, the fall semester in 1990, I started to go to a city college. I wasn't on the football team, but I just, you know, I, uh, I registered and had classes. Um, but the coach just wanted me to start work, start to work out and get my body back right, you know. And then the following spring, I would actually join the team. And because I had classes I had to make up, I had to get my grades up to par. Yeah. Um, because I had went to college already, you know, I had, you know, I had Fs. And so basically I was ineligible. Um, and so that was the plan. That so was, for two or three months, for you're, two, two or you're three on months, course. I was, I, was on, I was on course. Were you living at home? Yeah, living at home. And so there's structure in two different places. Yeah. And okay. I just, I got sick of it. Like what, what could you, what could you get sick of? I just, I didn't want to do it no more. I didn't want to get up early and go work out. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want it. All I wanted to do is drink beer and hang out. Basically. That's what I wanted to do. So I, you know, being a knucklehead. Yep. I can sit here and say that right now today. I kind of, Makes me sad that I gave up football because I wanted to drink beer, drink and smoke, drink beer and smoke weed. That's what I, that's 
that's why I gave up football. That's why I quit. Because it was, that was more important to me at the time. So, you know, would you say you were an addict at that point? Mm. I mean, if you're giving up, if you're giving up opportunities, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm, you know, I'm not judging. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, if you're giving up good opportunities for substances, is that, a, isn't that addiction? Yeah, that is. I, you know, I'm, I surely wouldn't have called myself an addict or, you know, of course, but yes, that those are, addic- those are addictive tendencies. That's what people that are, addic- that are addicted to things, that's what they do. They give up everything because they like doing that more than they like doing anything else. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why I gave up football. That's why I quit. So at the bottom line, you gave up football for alcohol yep. and, and marijuana. Yep. And so that put me on a, you know, put me on a crash course because, uh, you know, my dad didn't agree with that. My mom didn't agree with that. Um, and they weren't going to support anything that I did that had anything to do with it. So besides giving me a place to sleep, place to lay my head, that's all I got, you know. And until, you know, unless I wanted to do something different, go out, get myself a job, go and start doing right and, you know, acting like an adult, um, there would be no support. Um, and I made it really hard. On, I, I was really, really hard on my mom. Like, I tell her I'm sorry for that stuff all the time because I didn't know some of the stuff that was going on. But my brother, my older brother, Charles, told me that, you know, she would be up nights waiting for me to come home not knowing if i was going to come home um so what were you doing that made her worry about you even making it home oh dude i'd be so drunk out somewhere like man just just smashed just smashed and you said you mentioned you know marijuana you were doing drugs too at this point yeah i was smoking weed every day every day every day all day long so so there so there's no structure anywhere no no I'm my own man. I'm doing my own thing. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, what what did that lead to? I mean, why? You know, you're 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 doing these substances. Uh, are you trying to kill pain? Are you trying to enjoy yourself? I mean, what what are you doing it for? I couldn't even tell you. Just lifestyle. Yeah. Trying to fit in. Trying to be cool. Trying to be like everybody else. So everybody else is that, that's what they're doing there. That's what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is drinking and smoking weed. What's wrong with drinking and smoking weed? Everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. But that's why everybody else ain't got a job. That's why everybody else is hanging out and doing nothing. That's why everybody else, you know, depend on the government to take care of them because that's all they want to do is drink and smoke weed. So that stuff don't even register when you're doing it at all. Because it's just around you all the time. Because you're in the middle of it. And, you know, like I said earlier, you are who you surround yourself with. You start to think that those things are okay. It's, it's that, you know, you're, you're, it's, that's what's accepted. If that's what's accepted, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, when the expectations are low, what do people do? They lower their expectations. So they lower what they lower their, you know, what they'll do. I mean, it's just, it goes hand in hand, you know. But like I said, you don't see that until you get away from them. You're able to look back. and. And, you know, I was so blessed so many times that, you know, I did make it home. That nothing really bad happened to me. Yeah. Um, 
So, so, you know, you, you talk about these things, your, your lifestyle is going down a path that's, that's going to lead you to no good places. Right. Yeah. And, and you talked about um, coming to Utah, what happened in between that stage? So, I mean, because it sounded like to me, to me, I know some, some more of the story, but it seems like to me, that would be kind of rock bottom. Where did you go from, you know, the using, um, alcohol and marijuana all the time to, um, having to get out of Fresno. So I, uh, one of my, one of my good friends got in some trouble. And so that kind of changed what I did and who I surrounded myself with. How so? Um, I, I stopped hanging out so much. I stopped being out and, you know, out. So I stopped being visible to, to the, to other people. Um, because people had told other people that if they saw me, you know, they would do something to me. So the word got back around to me. And so I, you know, kind of went into hibernation mode where I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. Um, I didn't put myself out to where if, you know, somebody see me that, you know, they, they could kill me, basically. So you got a hit out on you? Not necessarily a hit. It's just, you know, it was a guilt by association. If like, we can't get this cat, then we'll get this cat. Okay. So they're trying to make him pay by getting all his friends to pay. Right. So. Okay. Um, so I, I started hanging out with a diff- different cat, which was still one of my boys. Um, and me and him just started, you know, he was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm working over here. This place called Contemporary Services. You should come fill out an application. We do Fresno State games. You know, we do concerts and stuff. Like, security? Oh, yeah, doing security. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll yeah, we'll come do that. So I go down to the to the convention center, fill out an application. I'm um, talking to this cat named uh, John Rivera. And, uh, you know, he takes my application and he started reading. He was like, he looked up at me. He's like, last name, Few? He's like, Few, F-E-W. I'm like, yeah, very few of us. He's like, okay. He's like, you know a Darnell Few? I'm like, yeah, that's uh, my older brother, my dad's first child. He's like, oh, that's your brother. I'm like, yeah, Darnell. He's like, oh, I went to school with him, man. Well, you know, so small world. You know, he went to school with my older brother, who I, I barely, I really barely know. Um, and uh, so needs to say, I got the job. It was cool. You know, met John, you know, started working. So that's like mm, 90, uh, 92. Okay. Or so, something like that, 92. Like summer of 92, I started started doing started doing shows. Um, so I work, you know, start working just kind of off and on. So I changed who I surround myself with, you know, started being a little bit more positive, stopped drinking so much, you know, stopped being drunk all the time. Wasn't sm- I was still smoking weed, but not that much. Um, so things are starting to kind of turn around for me. Um, and then... Hit another, hit another bad patch, started back drinking a lot again. I wasn't working a lot, you know, ran into some people who got in some more trouble. And uh, I, had, I had started, you know, instead of using a whole bunch of drugs, I started selling drugs. Um, and that was kind of like... Uh, what, why the shift? I mean, what, what was it? Uh, I just, I wasn't having enough money to do what I wanted to do. I mean, not that I just, I, you know, I just, I couldn't do nothing. I mean, the little bit of money I was making working, doing the shows, I mean, it was minimum wage. So, you know, I go work a, 
an eight-hour shift, <laughs> this is $4.25 an hour, you know, you do the math, uh, like 36 bucks before, yeah, that, ta- before taxes. Yeah, that doesn't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> you know, so, you know, a romance with no finance is a damn nuisance. <laughs> Antoine, hey, I'm just saying. We haven't even talked about the romance yet, but I'm we, just, won't, we won't get into the I'm romance just, part. I, exactly, but I'm just saying though, you know. Um, so I just wasn't having enough money, and you know, somebody I knew was like, "Hey, man, you take this sack, bring me back a couple hundred, you keep the rest." Like, oh, really? Like, you know, started doing that. Then that snowballed into something else. It snowballed into, I mean, you know. I mean, at one point, I was driving around Fresno in a car with two pounds bagged up in dime bags. I was like the dime bag king of the West Side, you know. And that's what I did for a few summers, even after I had came to Utah and went back. came Because I, I used to come out here for the summer times. And I'd go back to California for the winter. I'd come back out here for the summer, go back for the winter. Yeah, because Utah's really seasonal for concerts and yeah, other events yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so I started doing that and then went to jail like three times in two weeks, caught a case. Like, it was, boy, I mean, you don't talk about bad luck. Wowsy, wowsy, woo-woo. Um, it was just, just you know, it was, it was a look it back. It was Heavenly Father saying, hey, dummy, <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't the lifestyle for you. you, you, you either gonna, we either going to put you in jail or, you know, we're going to get you out of here. And so um, John Rivera, who I, you know, we had became really good friends with working at CSC, had got an opportunity to open up an office out here in Utah. And so that got me going back and forth. And so eventually I got and went to jail like those three times in two weeks was looking at doing some time because like one of the times I had a gun, one of the times I got a DUI and the third time I had, they caught me with some dope. And so I was, you know, looking at like a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they gave me a PC 1000 class. So, so I started going to the PC 1000 class, which is a drug class and it cost me $130 a week. To go to class? To go to the class. Now, remember, I said, I work an eight-hour shift doing concerts, making like $36 a day. And I don't work every day. I don't even work three times a week. Work like once a week, maybe twice. You do the math. How am I supposed to pay for that? You're not. Exactly. And that's what, like, that's the, like, that's the, like, the. That's the catch-22, isn't it? Yeah, man, they set you up to, they set you up to fail. That was, that was loud. I'm sorry. I got excited. <laughs> we, we can take care of that in post. Um, they they yeah. set you up to fail, man. They set you up to fail. And, like, And so did you go to class? Did you pay I went the money? To a, I went to a few of them, paid, paid the money until I was like down to like my last few hundred dollars. And I had, I had a, an executive decision to make. I'm either going to stay here and end up in jail. Or I'm going back to Utah, and if they want to come get me from Utah, they can come get me from Utah, but that's where I'm going to be. Yeah, stay, stay in there, and they can put you in jail because there's no way you can 
maintain that kind of There's money no... unless you're doing things you're not supposed to. Exactly. Okay. So I decide to buy me a one-way ticket, pack my clothes, didn't tell one soul other than my mama and my daddy, you know, my, my brother, my older brother, Charles, and my Aunt Diane. Nobody else knew. I didn't even have none of them. None of them even took me to the airport. I had one of my other friends, John. My boy John dropped me off at the airport. This is a different John. Um, Lil John. People that know me, they know Lil John. Lil John ain't with us no more. That's my guy. That was my guy, though. He uh, he dropped me off at the airport. Um, and uh, that was it. Like, you know, I got on that plane. You know, I had $100 and two bags of luggage. And I was out. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that. Um, I want to talk about what you were thinking on that plane ride and, and, and how things went once you got to Utah in the next episode. But, I, but, but as we finish this episode, um, I want you to talk about, you know, not, not necessarily by name, those people you were with in, in Fresno at that time, you know, your boys your, or your, you know, maybe rivals even, um, where are they at now? Okay. Where they're at now. Um, so I have, have three dudes at the crib that like, those are my ride or die. Like those are my guys. Um, one dude I've been knowing since the third grade. Um, we go way back, way, way back. And this guy, I mean, he's doing great. He's got a family, you know, he's got, I think, I think he's got four girls. He gave up. <laughs> he was trying to have a boy. Cause you know, and then my other guy, we've been like, we, he's the one that taught, that got me to go work for contemporary services. Um, that's my dog. Like he, you know, he's part of the reason why I was able to get myself up out of there. Cause he was influencing me, man. You got to get out of here, man. You can't stay here, dog. You got to get out of here. Them cats going to get you, man. You know, cause you be out, you know, they going to get you. They going to catch you. They going to catch you slipping when you least expect it. You know, you need to get out of here, you know? And, uh, and then my other guy, unfortunately, you know, he's doing a bunch of time in federal pen right now. Um, you know, I've been knowing this cat since he was in diapers. Um, so his grandmother used to live next door to my grandma, where I used to live. They used to be our neighbors. Um, you know, so those are, those are like my three guys. Like I go home every time I go home, I see those dudes, like no matter what, well, I can't see one of them, but the other two, every time I go home, I go see them. Like, without a doubt. I mean, some of the other guys that I know, you know, I mean, I got I got some good friends, but those dudes right there, I don't go to Fresno without seeing those dudes. Where would you be if you had stayed in Fresno? Uh, I'd be in jail or dead. Without a doubt. Just like that? Yep. No doubt. Because the path you were down? Yeah, the path, the, the, the path I was on was, that way, that's where it was going. Okay. I mean, there was, there's no doubt in my mind, and I, there's no doubt. I'd either be in jail or dead, you know. I don't, I don't think I'd be a, a 48-year-old, 49-year-old man um, in the position that I am right now had I stayed in Fresno, not even close. If I was alive, 
I'd probably be an alcoholic or, you know, some type of drug addict or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, and that's kind of what I, where I want to end the episode. I, 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 I want to end the episode by saying, I can't see that in you now, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, you're talking about your past and your story, but there's, you're not the same person clearly now that you were then. Um, which is kind of where I want to get with it in the next episode is to kind of, you know, chart uh, that path from that bad situation, uh, maybe a bad attitude into where you're at now. Sound good? Yeah. So that was part two. In the final part, next time we will listen to Anton talk about how he has turned into a whole different person the things he's done to straighten out his life and the th- where he's at now. He's in a great place now. I think you're going to like the next episode also. Uh, stay tuned, and uh, we'll catch you next time on the Photo Grigger Podcast.